0: Welcome back to Litcentric Radio, the podcast that's a literacy coach in your pocket. I'm your host, Dr. Julie Webb. Well, it's pretty exciting because February is right around the corner, and you may not know this, but February 5th is officially called World Read-Aloud Day, so that's an exciting thing, and I'm excited because, of course, at Litcentric Radio, all I feature is read-alouds, right? (laughs) And I find it kind of interesting when I think of read aloud, I think of any kind of text that really lends itself best to being shared out loud, right? But I notice sometimes online when folks refer to read aloud, uh, they're referring specifically to chapter books, which I find very interesting. I think, um, you know, why limit ourselves, right, to just thinking about chapter books as read alouds? Um, Of course, we can use, you know, picture books to do shared reading as well, but as you know, shared reading is when the students are reading out loud with you and it's a simultaneous kind of thing. But in this case, we're really talking about read aloud where the teacher is doing the most of uh, the actual reading and, and giving kind of the direction that students are following through the interactive Read Aloud, where we're asking them questions and engaging them in thinking and, and conversations with one another and with their teacher. So that being said, February fifth, World Read Aloud Day. What will you be reading that day? You got to pick something special and let your kids know that it's a special day. Uh, go ahead and uh, log on to Instagram and use the hashtag Litcentric Radio and take a picture of the book that you're going to be celebrating that day on World Read Aloud Day. I would love to see it, and if it's a book that. Uh, you know, is going to be worthy for Litcentric Radio, we may feature it on the podcast. That'd be really exciting. I love to learn about uh, new books, new authors, new illustrators, at least new to me. And that might be a book, you know, that you've had on your shelf for years and years, and that might be something that was just published. So there's lots of wonderful texts out there. And I try to show a variety of different types of texts and authors and, and you know, from different time periods and things like that. So I hope that you will uh, pass that along and share that information. And of course, not only um, not only will I be able to see it, but anyone who follows the Litcentric Radio hashtag will be able to see that. So that would be great. I would love to see what you're reading with your kids. Another thing that's coming right around the corner is Valentine's Day. And for those of us, um, at least in the United States, a lot of elementary classrooms on February 14th will be having like a little class party or a little Valentine exchange where students, uh, you know, share little Valentine cards or something that they've um, they've uh, created or written up uh, for their classmates. And in my opinion, I think Valentine's Day is the best classroom celebration because it promotes writing. Right. I mean, writing is actually my favorite thing to teach hands down. And uh, anytime I can have an excuse to get my students to write more, then that's what I'm going to do. So Valentine's Day was always a day that we uh, really looked forward to because of all the writing opportunities leading up to that. And then knowing that they were going to get to exchange uh, a lot of things that they had created with other people. So I encourage you to think about Valentine's Day, not just, you know, let's share candy or let's just read conversation hearts. But let's actually use it to create some real writing for one another and to make someone's day through you know, the kind words that you can share. Actually, today's text that we're gonna look at has a a bridge chart that goes along with it in a writing task that I really think could lend itself well to something like Valentine's Day in your classroom. So that'll be fun for us to explore that today. We're going to actually take a look specifically at metaphors and we're gonna use the text, The Thing About Bees, a love letter. And I discovered this text last summer at um, a local bookstore of ours, and I thought it was a beautiful book. The colors are amazing, the illustrations. The author, um, Shabazz Larkin, is also the illustrator, and uh, it's just an incredible book in so many ways. And one of the reasons I love it so much is because it's a beautiful uh, example of how you can take multiple genres and combine them really effectively into one book. You know, multiple genres and under one cover is pretty, pretty amazing thing to do. And, uh, and the thing about bees, we're combining informational text, poetry, um, even letter writing, and a couple of other extras uh, in there that really lend themselves beautifully together. And what I like to use it for is to explore metaphor, and oftentimes this is the first time I'm uh, introducing uh, this type of figurative language to my students. And uh, for those of you who maybe haven't talked specifically about metaphor before with your students, especially if you're a primary teacher, this isn't something that always comes up in our curriculum or in the standards, Um, but it's something that we want our kids to at least recognize when they hear it and to certainly appreciate it when they hear it. And then later on, or in the case with this text right now, we can teach them to actually uh, write using metaphors, and it can lend itself to just absolutely beautiful descriptive writing. So in order to uh, get my kids up to speed, I'm going to talk with them about what in the world a metaphor actually is. And in this case, uh, in a metaphor, what we're doing is applying a quality to a particular object that... Um, doesn't actually have that quality. <laughs> so in this case, I can think of, um, you know, here's a metaphor that a lot of us have heard before. Uh, you are the apple of my eye. And uh, obviously, your eye does not have an apple. <laughs> but um, this is a case of figurative language where uh, the true meaning is uh, something that you have to kind of mind through and sometimes is hidden uh, underneath the more literal text here. and and of course apple of my eye means that you know you are dear to me and you're my darling and and i just think you're the most extra special and uh, in this case metaphors are fantastic to use uh, to write poetry and so we are going to do that today and provide students with a couple of sentence frames to make it easy for them to explore metaphor for the first time and the results are truly beautiful they're so good you could actually gift these poems to someone So think about upcoming, you know, Valentine's Day, even Mother's Day, Father's Day, Grandparents Day, you know, Principal, Secretary Day, all these things, all these excuses we can have to get kids writing more for authentic audiences and for their writing to really, you know, touch someone and be important to someone. This lesson can uh, be a springboard for that. So I hope you stick around and take a listen. Another thing I'm really excited about Is a little mini video series that i've created that is on youtube right now and it's called how to code reading behaviors with running records and if you actually just type in running records in youtube my videos will pop up in the top 10 which is pretty exciting and what i've done is when I work with teachers, um, especially about guided reading, and we talk about, you know, running records are definitely the other side of the guided reading coin. We really can't do guided reading without running records. They're absolutely integral. And but I know running records can be really challenging to do. Not only um, if you've done them, you know, for years like I have, I still find them challenging to do uh, because they take a lot of uh, expertise and time and attention and a lot of uh, focus for you and the student and it's hard to keep up with kids sometimes right there's a lot going on and a lot we're trying to capture and of course as you practice it gets easier but if you're new to running records and you know you're not really sure what codes to use and how those might look and and how to even get started in those types of things I've created this little mini series for you. So anyone who's interested in starting running records or getting better at running records, this video series can really help. Like I said, it's nine videos. And um, really what I've done is identified the nine most common codes you're going to use when you take a running record. And uh, these are the ones you're really gonna wanna master to make your life a lot easier. If you can get fluent with these codes, and start getting better at combining these codes when kids present certain behaviors when they're reading running records are going to be they're just going to come so much more easy to you Um, and so i want to help you with that Now if you're thinking, I don't know what a running record is and I don't know what these codes are, you can still watch the videos too because I talk you through those things and give you uh, some ideas on uh, how to get started and again, um, really where to focus your attention. So if you're interested in those, I hope you'll check them out. They're on Litcentric's YouTube channel. So if you just go to YouTube and type in Litcentric, we're the only ones there like that. So you can easily find uh, the YouTube channel. And on there, I've actually created Um, a running records playlist for you. So if you actually see on the LitCentric channel, um, go to the playlist, you'll see running records on there and all nine videos are right there at your fingertips. And um, to make it even easier for you, I've gone ahead and put um, a button right on uh, the LitCentric.com homepage where uh, you can click that button. It'll take you directly to the Running Records playlist, and you can take a look at all nine videos. They're all really quick. They're meant to give you just that little shot in the arm of information so you can get up and running and get started. And there's also um, some resources there that are free to you for those of you who watch the videos. So I really hope you'll watch them, and please share them, and let me know what you think. All right, let's take a look at today's text, The Thing About Bees. When a bee and a flower love each other very much, a fruit is born. Number one, the flower makes a sticky yellow dust called pollen. Number two, as the bee drinks the flower's nectar, she gets pollen all over her hairy body. Number three, the bee moves pollen from one flower to another. Number four, then we wait. Number five, and wait. Number six, and presto, the flower turns into a fruit you can eat. Number seven, this process is called pollination. We'd be hungry without the bees. They help vegetables and nuts grow too. Thank you, bees. So the thing about bees is a really different kind of book, isn't it? There's so many different kind of directions it goes. Even though the language and of course the content and the topic is uh, pretty narrow, which is really interesting. I think it's a great way to show kids how you can really focus very closely on one particular topic or a particular content area and uh, and still be really playful and, and exploratory with the language that you use and the genres that you write in. So with our bridge chart today, we are going to be exploring metaphors and using the idea of a metaphor to write some really beautiful descriptions in ways that our students uh, likely haven't explored before. So this bridge chart has uh, two sentence frames that students are going to use. And uh, those sentence frames would be uh, up there uh, ahead of time usually, uh, because that will save you a little bit of time. And I like to label in there uh, the blanks that I've drawn in Um, and show students what type of um, word needs to be put in the particular blanks. So a couple of the blanks in these sentence frames are going to be adjectives and all the rest are going to be nouns. So in order to help students to populate these sentence frames and get them to sound a little more like poetry is to help them generate some adjectives and some nouns um, kind of as a word bank for them to draw from. And of course, I would never limit my students to Uh, the words in the word bank they could add any other word uh, that really made sense in those sentences and especially if it was something uh, very special to them or something uh, a word choice that they thought was particularly important maybe for uh, the audience for this piece of writing then of course i would let them choose whatever they like again as long as it makes sense in the sentence now the cool thing is is that with metaphors it's actually kind of hard not to make sense because Again, with a metaphor, we're taking, you know, we're applying a quality to an object that really doesn't have that quality. So we can be a little bit playful and maybe try some things out that uh, wouldn't work in just an everyday kind of normal sentence. So to create our um, adjectives and nouns, I'm going to have students help me generate language that would go in either of those categories. And first, I would probably start building um, a bank of nouns. And in, in this case, I'd like the nouns to focus on things that are. Uh, maybe sweet, darling, very special, very meaningful things Um, because these uh, metaphor sentences that we're going to be writing really lend themselves well, like I said, to maybe a valentine poem or it really does sound like poetry that um, you might give to someone who is very dear to you and so that's the tone that we're going to approach this with. Now that doesn't mean you can't use these uh, sentences or metaphors in other ways, you certainly can But uh, if we have a tone that jumps all over the place, and if there's nothing that kind of unifies it, then the metaphors are really gonna fall apart and just sound confusing. So we wanna make sure that the tone is correct uh, so that any of the words the students choose, um, they really are striking that chord and maintaining that. So it really does end up sounding like a really sweet piece of poetry. So some examples of nouns that we might generate are kitten and puppy, um, heart, Star, mom, dad, friend, rainbow, smile, bumblebee, like from the text, um, sunshine, summer, family, sky, friendship. Kind of these kind of helpful, you know, special, special people kind of words. And uh, I think it's easier to generate the nouns first because then when we generate the adjective word bank, We can use the nouns to help us generate the adjective. So like if I have the word puppy, maybe I might come up with the adjective of cute. Whereas if I look at star, I may not call it cute, right? Or um, if I come up with um, the word mom, um, I might think of the word like huggable, right? Because that's something you would do. I wouldn't necessarily, you know, come up with an adjective that doesn't match that. Now that's not to say that all the adjectives in your list or in your word bank are going to match up perfectly with all the nouns, because that's certainly not true. But you're gonna allow students the freedom to make those decisions for themselves. And if you need to coach them along to make good decisions about which um, adjectives and nouns go together well, then you can do that. But I think for a lot lot of kids, this will be a fun thing to explore and try out. And of course they can move words in and out of that sentence frame very uh, quickly and easily to determine if they like the way that the writing is sounding, or if they want to make a quick switch and make an improvement and revise that. And so most of the time when I write with students, I'm not providing sentence frames unless there's a particular, you know academic language or something we're focusing on or I have students who need that particular support in that lesson. Um, but in this case, Because we are exploring metaphor for the first time, and oftentimes uh, I'm using this with very young children who maybe have not explored figurative language before and don't even necessarily have an ear for it yet, it's not even on their radar, well then I find that sentence frames can be a very helpful support just knowing that anytime you use a sentence frame, eventually you want to be able to remove that frame and have student language take over. And if they've had enough experience with good academic language from you and instruction from you, and of course plenty of practice and application of that, eventually they're gonna be able to produce language both orally and in writing that's influenced by those sentence frames and starts to emulate those really as mentor sentences. And uh, they'll soon adopt that language for themselves. And that's really the goal. We're providing these so students can be safe to explore these things and take some risks and try them on for sides, eventually knowing that those uh, supports are no longer going to be there. Uh, maybe if we try this again or you know, down the line, we have a little more practice with it. Some of those things will be removed um, as students show uh, mastery of some of this uh, type of concepts. So let's try an example of what this might sound like with these sentence frames I have here and the adjectives and nouns. So for our first sentence, we need one adjective that's going to go with one noun. And the next part of the line just has two different nouns, kind of like apple of my eye. Apple and I would be the nouns. So if we try to, um, let's pick a noun here first. How about um, friend? And let's do an adjective for friend. How about uh, special? So we can start with you're my special friend. You're the... Um, glitter on my rainbow. Okay, so we started with special as the adjective, attached to the noun a friend, and then our other two nouns were glitter and rainbow. You're my special friend, you're the glitter on my rainbow. Our next sentence frame is very similar. Again, we need three nouns plus the adjective. So here we might choose, um, you're the sunshine in my sky, you're my uh, fuzzy kitten (laughs) it's kind of a funny one but have students try it out you might even um, in the bridge chart in the litcentric radio uh, growing lesson bundle i'll have examples of nouns and adjectives that work well uh, to keep the tone of this poem and uh, you can print those right onto sticky notes and literally pick them up and move them around and have students try out these words on the bridge chart and see what they like and of course, have a stack of blank sticky notes there uh, at the ready for your student suggestions because I don't want you just going with the words I've provided. These are really just examples, but it can give you an idea of, of a way to get students on the right track. I believe most of the adjectives and noun students come up with or that end up on the list should be the ones that were uh, created or generated by the students themselves. They will likely need your support and a little bit of guidance especially to maintain the tone we're going for. But we want as much student-generated language as possible. And uh, that way, it's much easier for students to apply this into a sentence frame and a metaphoric structure that they are unfamiliar with. So we're going from the familiar into the unfamiliar. And that um, student-generated word banks actually act as an additional support for them to try this out. So that's our lesson and book for this week on Litcentric Radio. Thank you so much for listening week after week. I would love to hear from you. And again, for World Read Aloud Day, the books that you are excited to uh, read to your students, follow letcentric on Instagram. You'll find me, I'm at Litcentric very easy. You'll see Dr. Julie Webb in my picture there. And uh, use the hashtag Radio to share those uh, read-alouds you're going to do on February 5th. If you have student work that was inspired by one of our episodes or a photo of a bridge chart you made, or even if you have a suggestion for a book that you'd love to uh, have featured on the show, please, please, you can DM me, but even better, just... Hashtag Letcentric Radio. Let's follow that and see some of the ideas that get generated. Because um, not just, I'm not the only one with the great ideas, right? I want to hear from you. So follow me on Instagram at Letcentric, and we'll see you next time. Have a great day at school.